Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. Today, customers, and I think today is really important, I'm talking post-COVID, customers are more savvy than they have ever, ever been before. They don't have time and they won't give you any quarter whatsoever if there are hidden costs. They want something that's fair in terms of pricing and in quality. So my guests today are the co-founders of Gimme, that's Scott Roweth and Nadine Tucky. Gimme is a startup company that is based in Queensland that wants to disrupt the consumer goods rental industry. Traditionally, as we all know, the rental industry is full of hidden costs and possibly predatory with how they go about their marketing. Because what often happens, the customer ends up paying more than what they would have paid to own the product immediately and in the first place. So this startup, Gimme, is for anyone who needs a smart and simple and transparent way to buy furniture, appliances, TV, and tech straight away and pay later. Buy installments. There's no interest, ever. And the way they do it, they build a marketplace and they provide shelf space for vendors of those products for their customers. I want to know how Gimme does this, what's going on here, how they find the products, how they source the products, how they logistically deliver the products, how they price their products, but I also want to talk to these guys about where they find the idea for this. I mean, how did they come about understanding what the customer needs? What has been their experience in this regard? And when was that magic moment when they thought Gimme could be a solution to a problem that actually has existed in this country for a million years, as far as I can remember anyway? So let's get into it. Nadine Scott, welcome to The Mentor. Hey, Thank Mark. you. We're going to talk about Gimme in a moment, G-I-M-M-I-E. Um, I mean, there's a... Pretty cool name, but it's cute too. So uh, before we talk about your business um, and you know and what who you're taking on and what the market is today in terms of um, well the way people have changed their way of living and buying and um, you know it's a big game going on. Uh, I want to go right right back and I want to go back to roots of where you two started in relation to your journey with Gimme. The roots of Gimme began about four years ago and we got involved in a um, consumer leasing business for a little while that gave us some real insights into the, the whole credit industry. And then from that, we saw some opportunities to do things a bit differently and, and so Gimme kind of spawned out of some insights that we gained there. So, okay, consumer yeah. rental business. Yep. yep. What was it called? Business was Mr. Rental. Yep. 
um, and it was a business that's um, been around for a long time. There's a whole industry out there that's been around for 40, 50, 60 years that plays in that sort of space. How was it you got to spend time in that business and like what was going on? I was working as a consultant at that point in time and I was asked to come in and do some work with that business and, and help them through a bit of a process. They'd, the whole industry had been going through a bit of a time of review and, uh, and that business was going through a bit of a tough period. It'd be it, a bit it, kind. It was, um, it was, we came in at a very tough time. Certainly Scott started before I did. Um, and, you know, the business, the, the consumer leasing business itself at the time, I think the industry was going through quite a significant change. Reputationally, it was, it was a bad industry. Yep, consumer uh, well, advocacy was, groups that were. They didn't know, like it. That's right. I mean, the socioeconomically, the socioeconomic consumer was usually someone who couldn't afford to buy something. And to a large extent, reputationally, they'll. People think they're getting ripped off. Well, it was the people who could least afford it often who ended up paying the most. Yeah. So um, just explain, like, give me an example of what that company would have done. And I'm not here to put shit on the company, but like, no. let's say I'm a, a mother, no husband, on my own, um, living on uh, welfare, maybe, and I need to get myself a little television because I've got to mm. give something for the kids to look at. Yep. Um, you know, this is pre sort of sort of pre iPads total popularity and dominance. Mm. Um, what did I do? Look, there's a whole group of people that for years, I guess forever, have been financially excluded. So a lot of people that are on lower incomes and don't don't have access to, to credit cards or to other forms of finance. But, you know, like everybody else, they've got requirements that they need to be able to furnish their place and buy essential stuff, whether it's white goods and TVs and those sorts of things. And that that industry for a long time provided... Predatory. Wise. So, so we saw a social problem really as we got involved in that business. Neither of us had had anything to do with anything like that before. Didn't really know the industry. Well, what was your backgrounds before that then? So Scott and I initially met at Virgin, the airline, um, and we spent, um, well, I was there for a long time, but we worked on a significant project there. Um, and I think that's where we saw firsthand the opportunity to um, to actually transform an industry and, and to sort of highlight what's wrong with it and, and finding what are the key pain points from a consumer's perspective and how you go about fixing that. And I think that's what Virgin did in the airline industry and I think you know when we first um, when Scott first contacted me to, to come and help um, in this new business or it was the Mr Rental business um, you know it was really um, it really did highlight what are some of the pain points and it highlighted the opportunity to fix some of those things. Well what was going on with Mr Rental were they going broke are they running out of money uh, were they getting sued by consumers was the ACCC all over them or was a newspaper giving them a hard time? Like, what was going on? All of the above, to be all honest. Of yeah. All of the above. So yeah, it was a disaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they were in a bit of a pickle and the business had um, yeah, just reached a point where there was a lot of stuff going on. Um, it's a franchise business, so they, they had lots of relationships to manage. It was just in a bit of a pickle. And, yeah. And so to the point… Were they making money? Uh, they were. They were, but they had also, had also been in a position where that had been declining though. So mm. they were at a point where you know, they, they, they had to really decide what are we going to do. And so we got involved, we looked at it. Neither of us were really keen on on the concept or the business and um, one thing led to another over a period of time and anyway they, they had a few people leaving and business was in a bit of a transition so like period, a business you might doctor. say. Let's call it like a change doctor or transformation. A yeah. transformation. Yeah. The world has been through a massive mm. transformation mm. post-COVID or during COVID and post-COVID and 
people behave and act differently and therefore businesses need to transform. Mm. Often that's the word is, you know, pivoting, but like pivoting sort of suggests you just step off your left foot and you go to the right and you're okay. Mm. It's not. It's about transforming and you've got to transform to respond to what's in front of you, which is the consumer change. Mm. So if we go take that concept and go back to Mr. Rental, you said there was a number of issues, um, you know, relating to franchisee disengagement and or disaffection, media concentration on it, and it could be even regulatory. Um, and they're, they're, that's usually the signs of transforming too late <clears throat> because the yeah. thing's sort of gone past you. But nonetheless, you're a transformation specialist, both of you. You've been through this process. That's what you do. Yeah. You get a call from someone to say, listen, shit, you know, like we've got to do something, you know, transformation is happening around us but we haven't transformed. Mm-hmm. How do we transform ourselves? Is that like a good way of sort of describing how this all happened four years ago, how you sort of brought, got brought in? Well, to be honest, um, the point where I was asked to come in, it was on a different pretext. It was on the pretext that we've been through a bit of a tough time, we're now ready to go and ready to grow. And the reality was once I took a look at it, I well, that's not the truth. Yeah, yeah. You're actually not. Yeah, you're kidding yourself. Yeah, you're kidding yourself. The industry's moved on. Mm-hmm. Um, public opinion's moved on. Everything's changed and you've kind of stuck to an old business model. And But well, uh, can I just stop you there because that, yeah. that's really important, Scott, for people listening anyway. Yeah. Um, that happens all the time. You know, people the time. think, oh, you know, like uh, I'm still doing the same thing I've always done and it's okay. But, but stuff me the the – the market transforms, the market changes. Mm. I mean, we've used to see yeah. transformation over a more gradual period, mm. but these days things can oh, turn on a sixpence. Yeah. And if you're not ahead of the curve or at least <laughs> in the tide as it's changing, like rising or going out, whatever it is, totally. you're gone, man. Mm. Well, particularly in this day and age, I think business and the world and technology and everything just changes so fast. Mm. Um, the days of you look at some of the great businesses that have existed over the years that were forged in the early part of the 20th century that soldiered on for 50 and 60 years doing the same thing. You just can't do that anymore. Mm. Yeah. The world moves quickly. Technology drives change. Everything moves. And I think if change is not just a key strand in the DNA of your business, you, you, you know, you, you're either growing or you're dying. And You can't just keep pushing against the tide. People are so much savvier these yeah. days um, and the expectations from consumers are high. So you've actually got to stay on top of everything that's going on in the market, um, understand what they want, what where are the pain points, um, and I think, you know, any product needs to continuously evolve. Because well, my, my question to you, obviously, and I'd like to go back to um, Mr Rental, what was it that told you that they'd actually missed the boat? And uh, the whole market had changed and you needed to transform your whole product offering. There were a lot of things really in that particular business. There was um, government had taken on a – they'd done a parliamentary – How did you know that? Oh, well, I didn't know about that at the time. It was only once I got in and started – but it's, you know, how did you find out about it? Because, yeah, well, it was, why didn't it, the proprietor know about it and how come well, they, Scott could find well, out about they, it? They did know about it. There was a big review that had been done just before we got involved with the business where Parliament looked, a parliamentary committee looked at the whole industry um, and their, their findings on that were to say this is not a good industry. It's, it's predatory and it's unfair and it's, it's, it's preying on a bunch of people that are financially excluded and so they were quite damning of it and there was, I suppose I, I kind of knew that there was commentary in the media and that, that from a consumer advocacy perspective, there were there was a negative view of it. And then once once you start sort of peeling it back and having a look at it, you know why does somebody rent something? And 
you realise that that they do it out of necessity, um, and because they're doing it out of necessity and don't have any choice, that kind of makes it possible for businesses to take advantage of them a little bit, and and that's that's something that should be fixed. How do you work out? That's my personal view, but there's a market view and the market view and how do you assess the market view? I mean, where do you find that? I mean, I'll give you an example. I went to the gym this morning and uh, the gym I went, I, I got myself a protein shake, right? I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks. They give it to me in a plastic thing, like and it's hard plastic. Yep. And I've been meaning to say something. I said something this morning, but I've been meaning to say something for a while. Why give that to me? Like, um, So now what I do is I drink it and I hand it back to them, hoping they can dispose of the, a, the plastic or maybe reuse it or put it in the dishwasher. I don't know. But – I got to point out if they don't change, I'm not going to order it anymore because I don't feel good about ordering this one drink that I consume in 30 seconds and just tipping this plastic thing in the garbage tin. Mm. And I thought to myself, they must be selling thousands of these a day. Yeah. At what point will it? Will I? Would if it was me owning the business? When do I work out that's public opinion as opposed to Mark's personal opinion mm. or opposed to Scott and Nadine's personal opinion? How do you work out the market changing? market's views and the market behaviour? I think um, one of the key things for us over the last four years has just been the amount of reading and research and um, and and it's not even industry-specific stuff. Yep. Um, there's been a lot of, um, you know, we've done a lot of research um, around millennials and all the different um, demographics and, and the, the changing trends, I suppose, and even looking at things like how COVID has changed people's you know, propensity just to behave certain ways or, you know, to do certain things. You need to have a curious mind. And I think we certainly both do. So they, we, we both consume a lot. Is of two of you better? Together's always better. Two's always better than one. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's an important part, I think, of what we've been doing over the last few years. Um, it's also lonely if you're just one. Like it's hard mm. because you get tired yeah. or buggered or get over, over sort of um, concentrate on one item. I mean, I always have two people or three people in my businesses. Yeah. Look, there's an old saying, I, I'm, a, I'm a lawyer by profession, so I came out of partnerships and there was a saying that we always used to use and that is partnerships are invented by the devil. So, you know, they can be really difficult. But they're also, I think it's also incredibly valuable if you find someone or people with whom you can work where you, if your moral compasses are aligned and so forth. And So step one yeah. in this decluttering the noise that's yeah. coming at you so you can predict where your market yeah. is going, step one might be, certainly my case, is find a person that's either can be in the business with you yeah. or can be outside of the business, but you know, we keep talking about mentors, but someone outside of the business who I can talk to at least. Because yeah. if you're on your own, Absolutely. it's fucking hard. Like it it's hard. sentimental. It's, it's always harder to do something on your own. You get to a conclusion or a view a lot quicker and a lot better and probably a lot more reliable. But that's the technical side of it. You, and, but you said something really important. Someone, when you choose that person, you're looking for someone who's value and ethically aligned yep. to what you're doing. And, and, and it won't uh, last long if you're not. No, totally. So, so yeah. yeah so, because you know that that'll drive you into whatever the, the material is that you're supposed to be reading in order to keep abreast of what it is you need to know about in terms of making your product still relevant yeah. and your service relevant. Because in the case of um, Mr. Rental, the product becomes irrelevant. It's not relevant anymore because the market's changed. That's right. And yeah. it doesn't matter how, as long as your ass points to the ground, you're not going to build up um, sales because the product's irrelevant. Mm. Yeah. And someone doesn't know that. Mm. And then so, what happened with Mr. Rental? So you see that Mr. Rental's business is 
you know, it's, it's a difficult one. As you said very politely um, right at the beginning of this uh, show that um, there were some issues. Well. How did you confront it? Well, I guess in general terms what we saw there was a business that the world had changed around it and it, and it didn't move. And that's that's common. You know, I think yeah, you yeah. see a lot of businesses. Kodak. That change well. That's it. That's it's change when it's forced upon them. And so the clever businesses and it's too late. Think mm. about it and invest in it when they're strong. When mm. they've when they've got the budget to do it. A lot of businesses wait until it's too late and they have neither the time nor the budget. Yep. Um, so, and that is a really consistent theme. So I guess the moral of that or the message for us from that was well. Always try to be ahead of the game, as you were saying before, and um, and try to try to think about where the market's going to be. Be at least in the game. Well, be in the game, but also just try and anticipate where it's going. It's yeah, that yeah. famous Gretzky quote, right? Why do you get to the puck so quickly? And he says, "Well, I'm I skate to where the puck's going to be." Yeah, yeah. I think business is like that. You have got to be able to anticipate mm-hmm. that, and so that's 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 where reading a lot and listening a lot and talking to people a lot is useful because it helps you try to piece together where you think the game might go. Um, so what did you tell Mr Mental Dude who asked you to come in and have a look at the What was your next conversation? Oh, well, there was lots of conversations that were quite difficult, but we, I basically said, look, you know, I, th- I think the time's done. Those sorts of businesses are really difficult to pivot because there's so many stakeholders in them and the model is so well established that it, well, I mean, we came to the conclusion pretty quickly that it wasn't something we were going to be able to really fix, um, ultimately that business was sold on. We took what we learned from that and we saw the opportunity in the market for that to say, well, you know, because with Gimme Now we say, what business are we in? We, so we're in the lifestyle business because people just want to live well and they want to have access to the important stuff that they need every day and that just needs to be fair. And not and ripped off. It needs to be simple. Mm-hmm. And so you said before, you asked me before, how did I um, – for my own opinion about that as opposed to what the market opinion was. And it was just clear. You, know, you don't need to be Einstein to figure out when something's fair or when it's not. Who started the conversation between the two of you? How, like, tell me, how does that happen? Like, I mean, what are you, sitting on a lounge having a cup of coffee or what are you doing? It evolved, no. it evolved over time, yeah. I think. You know, I think we, we, we had a lot of conversations around, well, what's, what are the pain points? And but did you have, like, formal? Like formal conversations? No, just- no, no. It was, you know, we obviously, um, one of the first things we had to do was fix some of the foundations, um, you know, get insights from trend data and trending and what, you know, what what's the consumer actually. You know, I got an audience there, they're, they're saying to themselves, oh, yeah, I, have, I don't know where to start. Like, who starts this? I mean, like, yeah. you say, how does it work? I mean, how I'm trying to work out, what I'm trying to get to the audience here is, mm. how does a business like Gimme actually start? start where, where's the genesis of it I mean because everyone's we, got good ideas we yeah. looked at what was wrong with what what we had in terms of what what the product was that we were involved with and we said well what's wrong with it why is it declining and what do we need to do to fix it and from there we looked at what are all the other competitors in that space doing and and what are so the you did a market analysis we did and we kind of identified that the competitive the competitive landscape is actually a really broad one because it's it's anyone who needs or wants access to a lifestyle product that's a bigger, bigger life. Lifestyle is probably meaning like furniture, television, appliances, appliances, TVs. that sort yep. of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Stuff that's in the house, right. that sort of thing. Yeah. Expensive stuff that you got to save up to buy. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you and I, as we grew up, you had to save, lay by, and save, and you know mm. maybe lay yeah. by, but yeah. you didn't buy stuff till till you could afford it, right? Yeah, mum put on lay by, yeah. mm. and I'd have to go and deliver the check every 
every week, whatever it was, until Christmas. Yeah. And so we looked at all, you know, what are the different ways to, to buying life's bigger purchases um, and what's that competitive landscape currently look like and, and what are the pain points and what can we do to fix those pain points and still create a sustainable business from that. And so, but you, you were thinking let's create a business off the back of this. Well, we knew there was an opportunity um, because at the end of the day there was still a significant customer base that um, that had a need that needed to be filled. Yeah, but you guys had jobs. I mean, or jobs, you your consultants to do this sort of stuff. Mm. You're thinking to yourself, hang on, there might be a business here. At what point did you, do you, were you thinking to yourself, mm, let's go into business and give away this consulting deal? Well, I mean, we, like, because, you know, you give yeah. something away that you're already doing. We initially said, well, can this business pivot? Because if you're doing one thing in the market currently, you're selling a product that's maybe not the fairest thing out there. And it could be better. So can we pivot it? So we, we looked at, well, what does it need to be and what are people really after? People, people were renting stuff. And did they really want to rent it? No, they actually weren't. They thought they were buying stuff. It's rent to own. I rent it for three or four years and I get to own it at the end, right? So that's actually wanting to buy it. They didn't want to rent it. It was costing them too much money because of the way that that industry worked. So the reality was people just wanted to own stuff. They want it now. They don't want to get ripped off and a lot of people just need to be able to pay for stuff as they go because they don't have the cash up front and that's pretty common. And you know what? You don't have to be someone who used to rent stuff to be in that category either. There's students and young families and and families with, you know, two incomes and a mortgage and a couple of cars and kids in school can often still be in the same position where it's all about trying to match what you're spending to what you're earning. How and when was Gimme formed then? Like what period of time? Like what, what was – who came up with the name Gimme for a start? Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> That was Scott. That was, yeah. Scott came up. You were a golfer. Well, I'm a, I'm a bad golfer but um, <laughs> and I don't probably get a lot of Gimmies. But so the name Gimme, we, we actually – we did go through a bit of a process but I but it was my contribution to the process and um, – and gimme for me, so what gimme mean, meant for me is we were looking for a way to name the business because when we talked about what, what we were trying to do is we, we were trying to create a business that provided solutions to people just really simple, just easy, you know, and if we think simple and easy. Well, it's a gimme. A gimme a gimme's is a gimme. It's, yeah, it's you know, a gimme. You don't yeah. need to put pat, pat, pat it As in. opposed to gimme, it's, it's more like, like as you said, like it's, yeah. a, it's a given. Yeah. Well, it's a given. Yeah, it's just yeah. easy. Uh, it's yours. You can have it. It's, uh, but it also has a bit of a duality because because people just want stuff now too, you know. So Gimme kind of works in a few ways in terms of the way that, you know, our product works because what we're doing is we're, we're, we're kind of dealing with, uh, with, with a consumer who and when we look at the, the millennial consumers now, you know, they're, they're driving our economy mm-hmm. and there is a difference I think in the way that people think about stuff now and, and I, as I said, we were taught to save and wait until we could afford it. People don't want to do that anymore. They want to be able to get the stuff that they want. They want to be able to have it quickly and they don't want to have to save up for it. They want to be able to they want to have a cool way to pay for it. So we just wanted to do that and we wanted to make it simple. Okay, so we're going to go to the break and talk to our sponsors and when we come back, I'm going to talk, I want to talk about Gimme. I want to talk about okay. the structure. I want to talk about what you do. Um, what is your product line, what do you, how's your pricing, how's your logistics work, what's your, how fulfillment works, like what's it like to fight against big competitors, um, like big, big, big names, um, what's that like, this is David and Goliath stuff, so we go to the break and we'll come straight back.
In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. show that I can be even-handed on this. So welcome back to Scott and Nadine. This time last time was Nadine and Scott, so I just want to even it out. <laughs> I guess what we landed on was the the formation of the business, give me off the back of uh, the Mr. Rental experience, but also, you know, from our audience point of view is um, understanding how markets trend and uh, and where do, you get, where do you guys gather that sort of inf- information from and what do you do with it? We established where the name Gimme came from or what it means. Let's just go back into the business now. Can one of you tell me what Gimme does? Like, you know, so I go on your website, what am I looking for? Really simple. We're a marketplace uh, that has a range of products. Um, so it's a marketplace where you find and fund that bigger stuff, the stuff that you used to have to save up to buy. So finding and funding. Finding and fund. Yep. Okay. In, in the one spot. Furniture, appliances, TVs, technology, yep. lifestyle products. So, yeah, I'm, so I'm finding what I'd ordinarily find at um, – Harvey Norman, all those sorts of places. Yep. You know, JB Hi, maybe JB Hi-Fi, but the good guys, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, all those sorts of types of products. I mean, a, sort of the similar sort of range. Yep. Like, you know, you're going to get the yep. same names. Same brands. You know, same absolutely. brands. Absolutely. But I'm not walking into a store. There's no store. It's online. Completely online. Yeah. Okay. And then, so finding. So, what's the funding part? Pay either the cash price today just like you would on any other retail website, or you pay a little bit more, which is the plan price, to pay by instalments over a year or two. With the one or two-year instalment plans, though, um, you've still got 90 days to pay out the cash price, um, and you can basically pay it out any time after that um, without any termination or cancellation fees. And what's it cost me? I mean, if I, if, I, if I decide I want to take the plan price, which is more obviously going to be more expensive than the cash price, mm-hmm. um, what I'm looking at? And so it's a fair price. Um, it's um, it's based on um, the customers and their credit scoring, but it's a fair price, and you know upfront what you're going to pay. So there's no there's no risk of a long term debt trap. There's no interest free periods. There's no interest ever, um, and the only fee ever is a, a ten dollar late fee, um, and that's really just to recover our costs. Um, so like if I buy something for a thousand bucks, let's say it's a new TV because I want to watch the State of Origin, uh, it's a thousand bucks the cash price. What were I likely to pay for the plan price? So if you came on in and bought that product, we'd say it's thousand dollars, and you can pay for it now. Um, so credit card now, Mark. Yeah. Pay, yep. Pay for it with your credit card, or you yeah. can take it over a year. Yeah. And it'll be about eleven hundred dollars to pay for it over a year. So an extra hundred bucks. An extra hundred bucks. Yeah. yeah. Um, works so spread insurance. over a year, twelve month period. Yeah. Works much the same way that 
insurance. insurance does. You know, you take out a premium on your car, they'll hit you. They might say it's a thousand dollars now or a hundred bucks a month if you want to pay it off over a year. Is it always ten percent extra? So, like, if it's two thousand dollars, is it two hundred bucks extra? Or? No, it depends on the product and it depends on the customer. Yep. We've, we like insurance companies. We look at at risk as well. Yep. Um, so there's so there's, you do a credit assessment. Yeah, yeah. People. We're we're a we we're a we operate under an Australian credit license, and so we're a responsible lender and we promote responsible spending. So we always try to make sure that our customer is going to be able to make their payments and that they're not setting themselves up for something that they can't afford. Yeah, how do you price yeah. your product? Yeah, well, we we price our product to market. Totally competitive. Yeah, you know there might be a few bucks difference here and there from one place to the other, as there always is, but. We're in the market at the same time. Pretty much in the market. So if, I, if yeah. I'm looking for television, I mean, I'm probably going to go to Gimme and then I'm going to go to Harvey Norman. I'm going to yep. look around, yep. see which one is the best yeah. price and then which one can I afford, like you know, what, what are the terms? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And yeah. and where, whichever retailer you go to, they'll usually offer you a different way to pay. There's, there's different sorts of buy now, pay later. Are you scanning prices around the marketplace? Do you, or do you have some sort of AI algorithm or you just you guys are doing personally? Just to make sure you're in the in the market. Um, do you guys do that? I mean, ha- and how do you do it? Yeah, we do. So there's software, as you know, that lets you do that sort of stuff. So we're in the market all the time. We're always trying to make sure that pricing that we've got in the market is competitive. Yep. So, so regardless yeah. of it, regardless of how good our payment solution is, we know that the price got to be competitive. Well, no one's going to buy a thing if it's, if like no, if, if you're saying you can pay it off over two years, but it's two thousand dollars instead of a thousand. Totally. People are going to say stuff you and not doing that. Yeah. So and because people are smart. They are. You, they are, you cannot underestimate a consumer today. Yep. No. That's right. They do their research. They do do their research and, and the millennial consumer in particular are very, very sensitive to whether or not they're being taken advantage of. And we also know that the millennial group don't want credit cards. They've turned away from tradi- right? credit cards mm-hmm. and traditional credit products and the word finance frightens them. So um, they're not the sort of – that's just not the sort of thing that people want to do. Um, and so the buy now pay later. Well, what do you industry, what do you so you what do you call it? You, would you call it buy now pay later? Is it well? Yeah, it's a buy now pay later product. We you get to buy the product now and you get to pay it off over time. And obviously, look again research right. And and everybody knows that people these days love it. They love buy now pay later mm-hmm. because it means that I get to get stuff now. I haven't had to save and um, and and it's instant gratification. And there's so many players, it's a really busy space in that market. You know that. Um, and so we're definitely, we're definitely playing in a space where there's lots of people having a go. Um, what we determined, though, or what we thought is that most of the products out there, most of the things that other people are doing or other companies are doing, pretty much aimed at smaller purchases, which so a lot of them are great if you're spending. What do you mean by small purchases? Well, if you're spending 100 bucks or yeah. 200 bucks or three or four, and if you're going to make four payments to pay off $200, well, that's that's kind of doable. Yeah. But if you're spending two or three or four or five or six thousand dollars, then it's not. You know, if you can pay it off in four payments, you might as well probably paid cash for it. To be honest. Yeah. Yeah. So, Gimme is we've designed Gimme to aim at those bigger purchases where you actually can't pay it in in a few short you know a few short weeks, and where you need to be able to spread the payments by instalments. So we give our customers the choice of a year or two depending upon what suits their cash flow. So you can take a two-year option, which makes your, your payments, and you can choose to pay weekly or fortnightly or monthly. It's up to the customer. Um, as we said, you've always got 90 days to pay out 
the original price, the cash price. If you're coming over to dough, yeah, you can you pay might, it. Maybe you get your tax return or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, or, you know, your grandmother gives you some money on your birthday or whatever, you know. Um, so you can always pay it out within the 90 days and you pay nothing else, just the cash price. But after that, you can pay it out any other time. And, and it, the, the sooner you pay it, we, we, we reduce that plan price accordingly. So right, you do the calculation. Cheaper. Yeah, you pay sooner and you pay less. Yeah, that, that, that's, yeah. that's pretty interesting. So um, in terms of uh, the product sourcing, um, how do you like, – it sounds like a nightmare to me. Like uh, how do you source all these product – the range of products? I mean, it sounds like – I mean, how many products you got? Like 500 products, 200 products? I mean – uh, we got between one and two thousand products yeah, so at the how, moment, and that's just growing all the time. How do you so source this stuff? Like, you know, how do you how do you yeah. how do you go and find? I don't know. Um, how do you do a deal with Samsung or whoever it is? I mean, like LG or whatever. I mean, how, how? Well, you know what? It's actually kind of hard to do some of those deals. Totally, because you got the big retailer yeah, saying we don't yeah. want this dude in here. There's a really there's a really established supply chain model in this country. Yep. Um, and online players have a real tough time because a lot of the suppliers work really closely with and their biggest customers are the bricks and mortar retailers. Yep. So it's it's a tough gig. So actually. what do you who does that? Yeah. Do you do it or find our supplier? Yeah, do you go and, do, I mean, do you go and bring up the boss of whatever it is in Australia yeah. or in, in Korea and say, Listen, we need that product? Yeah, man, when you're this when you're the founder of a startup, you do everything. Yeah. You know, so we uh we, we do everything from, well, we just do a bit of everything and as you get bigger you start to bring more people in and build your capacity and get other people doing things. So, yeah, we've got some other people doing stuff now too. But So give me a marketplace that works with other suppliers who are already in the market or a re, you know whether they're manufacturers or distributors and, and other companies that have inbuilt infrastructure. So we work with uh, with marketplace suppliers that can supply us with the product but can also deliver straight to our customer, right? So, so you give them, you give the brands of the products shelf space on your website, yep. on your online yep. marketplace. Which is a website, but it's called an online marketplace. It's probably more accurate. You give them shelf space, mm-hmm. and, and if you just think about this, like a, a market, like a clothing market, or wherever you want to go to, a physical one. That's all those people do is they go and buy little kiosk spaces and they set up their little store. Um, you're doing the same with the vendors of the product lines, one to two thousand product lines that you guys have. That's yep. it. And um, and you buy from them at a price that you guys can mm-hmm. negotiate, and you sell at another price. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you buy like the thousand or TV? Like, you don't have to tell me the numbers, but do you buy for like eight hundred and sell it for a thousand, or do you buy for a thousand and get volume rebates based on the volume you sell? No, the volume rebate system. That's pretty. Traditional retail kind of model, yep. um, which which is not what we're doing with our our structure and our marketplace. So we get we get a small margin, and it varies from product to product. Um, and so we we make a little margin when we sell something. Our whole business is based around volume, really, yep. because it's it's so all, volume to yeah. be like that. You got to be volume it's, business. It's, it's volume based. It's all about making a little bit of money a lot of times. Yeah. Okay. Um, and not not trying to sort of gouge or, or you know, be too greedy with margin. Because well, you won't us, get anywhere because then you know, you'll price yourself out of the game. That's right. Yeah, that's it. So you, you, you're sort of constrained to some extent, irrespective of your philosophical view, and you'll be constrained because people work out pretty fast. You're too expensive if, if you are. Mm. In your case, you're trying to be competitive, so you, which means you've just got to cop a smaller margin, which means you've got to drive bigger volume. Um, 
but and which means that's your proposition. And that's and that's what consumers expect today, right? Yeah, 100%. So they don't want anyone to make any money. No. Um, give it to me for the best price. And it's that's about right. having a really lean business model. I mean, that's yeah. one of the really important things. We said before, so this is a cost management game. Well, it's cost management. We came out of the airline business from with a low-cost carrier and you know, low-cost carriers came into the airline market when in Australia in the early 2000s with Virgin but many years before that in the US and elsewhere when air travel was really expensive and only really wealthy people travelled because it was so expensive. And low-cost carriers were all about saying, well, how do we make this cheaper? And making it cheaper means engineering a business model that can survive on a smaller price and a lower margin and being really smart about it. In other words, less overheads. Less overheads, lean models, different ways of doing things. You know, you can come into the market and be a retailer and have all of the infrastructure and the people necessary to be a retailer, which is hard. You know, retail is hard. Bricks and mortar, storage, like moving stuff in and out of the joint. Yeah. So you don't you don't store anything. You don't you don't hold no, the inventory, no. go straight from the supplier no, that's right. to, to the person's home. We work with suppliers who have inventory and yeah. who have capability. So we leverage theirs. There's no point duplicating it. Yeah, totally. Uh, so part of your lean um, strategy is um, not warehousing um, to the extent you yeah. can get away with not warehousing. Um, you're not buying the goods and holding the goods um, or, or storing the goods. You've got nobody, no handling the goods. Mm-hmm. It's all been done by someone else who's probably more efficient at that yeah. who's got a, yeah. a bigger um, uh capacity and it's getting more orders so they can afford to have more people on the ground to do it. In terms of logistics um, fulfilment, um, obviously everything's got to be delivered because if I buy online from you, I can't come pick it up from you. I've got to get it delivered. So how do you deal with logistics of um, fulfilment? Um, and how do you make sure that customers are still happy with the outcome? It's one thing for them to buy and they buy a good price and it's uh, it paid off over two, two years or one year or whatever it is. Um, you want to make sure the experience is good. Totally. Customer experience is really important to us. At the end of the day, they're our customer. We might be working with a supplier who's providing the um, the inventory and delivering it, but the customer is going to hold us accountable for that experience. So keep... Yeah, because your brand on the line. Absolutely. Right. Key, key criteria then for us in choosing partners that we'll bring into our marketplace is looking at and testing their capabilities and their, their distribution delivery, their last mile capabilities to make sure that they they match what we're trying to deliver. Um, how do you determine what product you need to have on your in your marketplace? We believe that Gimme is actually applicable to any of life's bigger purchases. And so um, – I wouldn't call a dryer lifestyle for me because I hate washing it. Like that, but maybe a lounge. They make be. life a lot easier than if you don't have a totally, yeah, yeah, totally, totally, totally. Lifestyle's not so good if you're hanging. What, what do you mean? In the rain. That's, That's true. Right. But it goes. What do you know, mean by lifestyle? So what does it mean? for now, we're focusing very much on furniture, appliances, televisions, technology. Yep. Um, but we're looking very much now at expanding into things like fitness products and home security type products and home um, office stuff. Home office type mm. stuff. So you know, any any of life's bigger purchases that just makes sense for people to pay over time rather than uh, paying one big chunk. What we're not going to do, though, with Gimme, the whole mm-hmm. our plan is not to diversify into, I don't know, clothing and uh, jewellery and all that no. sort of stuff. We've, we're pretty pretty single-minded about the whole lifestyle kind of focus. And so it's it's that we, we think, and, and the reason for that is because our product, our, our instalment plan product, is specifically designed to help people with more expensive purchases. So, I mean, I could 
got the lawyer and the accountant. It sounds like the tortoise and the hare, but um, and I don't want to say which one's which, but um, but it's it's like an interesting story. But um, but in the, the day, you've got to fund these businesses. I mean, how how have you managed to fund this business? I mean, you have big shareholders, or what have you done in terms of capital? Because I mean, all these businesses need capital. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're privately owned, and at this point in time, we're self-funded. So we've got shareholders uh, who. How do you find these people? How do you find shareholders? Ah, uh, well. How do you find anybody really? It's life's life's a journey, isn't it? And opportunities come up. So we were involved with um, with some shareholders who, uh, well, who are our shareholders now, who we met through the Mister Rental business and who had been involved in funding that business. Um, and so they were interested in what we were doing and the ideas that we had. And so that's turned into a relationship with um, with them. And so, but obviously, as any business grows, you get to a point where you've got to you've got to change your strategy. So as as we grow and as we get bigger, no doubt we're going to have to be in the market and looking for raise money. capital. And, and uh, you know, they're good problems to have though when you've, when you've got to raise yeah, capital you're, because you're growing. growing. Well, like, because, I mean, I, I often say to people, shareholder management is actually a, a skill. Um, you know, you've got to manage your shareholder expectations. I mean, there's one thing you can go and find these people to put money into the business. That's that's the start. That's not the finish. <laughs> um, what did you – when COVID happened, what did you do? Well, we talk a lot. We have monthly board meetings and we but talk we, at other times as well. So We go to them with a solution. So if there yeah. is a problem, we share the problem, but we come up with a number of alternatives for solutions. Yeah. So mm. I think honesty and transparency is key, um, but, but ultimately um, if there is ever a problem, we've normally or we always make sure that we've got a solution in play um, or at least a series of recommendations to, to either mitigate the risks or to solve the problem. Yeah, and con- and you got to be consistently in touch. Yeah, business does. business generally, and particularly in startup world, it's, it's about pivoting, and it's sometimes you're pivoting weekly. Yeah, you know, because things don't always there are always small changes too. But yeah, people think pivoting means doing a hundred eighty well, degree turn. Tiny pivots. There's small, changes, small, lots yeah. and lots of small changes. It could end up being a big change by the end of the year if you look back. But you've just got to be prepared to make little changes, little changes, little changes all the time. And you've always got to begin with the end in mind. You've got to be really clear about what you're trying to achieve and what your strategy is. But you've also got to be really prepared to make those changes and and, and to to pivot when you need to. You know, some people can, and I think I've certainly seen it, where they're just too bloody-mindedly stuck to a plan and, and don't want to change it. Um, but the world keeps changing around you, so you've just got to be prepared to do that. Mm. And And if you communicate well... And your strategy's clear, and everything makes sense. Then those little changes don't really bother anybody. You just you just get on with it. it. Becomes a part of what you do every day. We're running out of time, so we're going to have to close up. But I do want to know this. I mean, you, you market your business, but marketing is about messaging. Messaging messaging is about understanding what the consumer wants from you. And we did talk about you know transformational thinking, and that's how it got got to got you guys to give me in the first place. And then we just said that markets are evolving all the time. These days, a market evolves just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, quite rapidly. Mm. So that you know, after a relatively speaking short period, it's evolved quite a lot. So you got actually quite a big change. Um, the messaging in your marketing material. Um, how do you keep up to date with what the message should sound like, look like, feel like? How do you actually sit down with your team? Yeah. and uh, work out how to send your marketing message. Because there is an evangelical piece to all this. Um, and I know I've heard Scott talk about it, um, fairness, 
not being ripped off. Yep. Transparency, understand the deal, simplicity, you know, those things. Because, you know, the market is very crowded. You're, you're, you know, the, you know, you've got some extraordinarily wealthy, well-known competitors mm-hmm. in, in this space, global competitors now, um, who have massive transactions who have pretty much splashed themselves across the whole countryside. Yeah. How do you tell that story? I mean, that, that's an important story. Um, mm. and, and how important is it to you? Or is it just or do people don't give a shit, just give me the deal? Part of what we're doing, I think, from a marketing perspective for us is educational because we, we think there's a few problems out there to solve. We think, um, we think there's a lot of finance products and buy now, pay later products that are actually pretty complicated and um, they might look kind of simple but... They, they tend to bury a lot of stuff in the fine print and we talk to people, we do consumer testing as we said, um, we actually just talk to our customers and so I think marketing really for me, it's all about listening you know, because we can try and jam a product down people's throats but the best thing we can do is actually find out what people want. And, and, and from the data because the d- yeah. data speaks. That's mm, right. Well, does. from the data yeah. and from other information from trends but like I said, there's nothing better than actually just Talking to your having customer, a conversation, yeah. having a conversation. So, with do you customer. get on the phone? Because I mean, I, yeah, I, I spoke to Jack Singleton, who owns Rose Only, and he's like in the biggest online flower business in the country. And uh, Jack actually gets on the call center and actually takes the calls at the call mm. center, yep. and and actually does his little market research at the call center. It's the best thing you can do. And you know, when you when you're small and you're starting out, I mean, we're we're a, we're a little company, and we're in a room full of eight hundred gorillas. gorillas, aren't we? Mm. Right. So we gotta we gotta be different, and we gotta be better. And so we do, we, we talk to our customers after we've had a transaction with them and say, what did you like and what didn't you like and what can we do differently? And, uh, and you've got to do that. And there comes a point in scale where you obviously can't do that with every customer, but you can try to do it and you've got digital ways of doing that too. So like I say, I think marketing for me is about, about listening because ultimately you want to get a message in front of your customer that's going to resonate with them. And it looks like to me you guys are enjoying this. Yeah, it's a mission. Have fun. Yeah. We're having a ball. Fun or we're suckers for punishment. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, we're both. No. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, there are some days where you think, God, what am I doing? Mm. But, um, you know, business is tough and startups are tough. Startup is tough. But, man, it's fun. And and when you really, particularly when when you've, you're working with people who, who are equally passionate and equally, equally committed, it does become a mission. You know, it's not a job. Yeah, yeah. It's a mission. It is your mission. Yeah. It looks like your mission is to take this education piece around, as I said, simplicity and helping people out who would otherwise be forced into those um, difficult transactions um, Mm. where they might fall in a bit of a hole if something goes wrong. Mm. Um, That process is really important to you. It is. And I I think, you know, the whole notion of disrupting an unfair industry – um, and going to a, going to market with a product that is fair and simple and and reasonable, um, there's a there's a big motivation in that um, because I think you know we have worked within an industry where you see firsthand the pitfalls of some of the products that are out there, um, and quite often people sign up to stuff, um, and the consumer research has demonstrated that to us. People sign up to stuff not knowing what some of the pitfalls might be at the back end of those agreements. Well, um, where do you get this from? I mean, like, where do you get? This oh, burning desire. Oh, the burning desire. To I think, fix this, to fix this industry. Well, I think it's. Um, it, it. I guess I just see that it doesn't have to be that way. But where do you get it from? Why? Why did you grow up in that environment? Or well, I saw. I saw firsthand. I suppose working at Virgin. You know, we used to pay. Mm-hmm. 
$1,500 return to fly from Brisbane to Sydney and then you, you go and work for a company like Virgin and you say, well, you can see firsthand how a business has completely disrupted that industry and is offering something to people who otherwise just were never able to fly, couldn't afford to fly. Um, and I think, you know, all of the analysis that we've undertaken now within, and it's not just consumer leasing, it's actually the finance industry generally. Yeah, but if I was to ask you, Nadine, um, why are you enamoured by that? Is it just because you want to disrupt and you like the idea of disrupting? Because that's, a, that's like a commercial outcome and it doing is. something that can be done, should be done, can be done, or or is your passion deep in that? Is it is there does it lie in some other socioeconomic thing that you've experienced in your life? I mean, well, do you know, it's it's about for me, it's about fixing a social problem, and I've got two why? young kids. Okay, tell me why. I've got two young kids, and I see people. I read stuff where people have just been taken advantage of, completely unnecessarily. Where does and that come from? Though? Um, for me personally, yeah. um, I grew up, um, so my, my dad was, uh, he's very philosophical and he's always, he always taught us to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And I think life is tough. Um, and it's tough without financial stress, let alone with financial stress. And I just see so many products out there that just take advantage of people who just don't know any, who just who just weren't aware at the time that they signed up to something. Did you, did you put it down to your dad though or your mum? Who was influencing oh, you to think this way? Yeah, oh, look, so my dad was a key influence. He always said, you know, if someone's grumpy or if, if someone's, you know, angry, just put yourself in their shoes and ju just don't, uh, don't assume the worst. Just you know, you, they might have had a bad day. Just always put yourself in someone else's shoes and see it from someone else's perspective. Um, and I think, you know, as we've worked through this industry, you kind of do see some of these products um, can cause so many downstream problems like anxiety and mental health issues because if you've got the stress of everyday life on top of financial stress, um, that's just hard. It's a killer. It is. Mm. And it doesn't, you know, and I just think, gosh, it, it doesn't have to be that way. You can have a sustainable business that makes a little bit of money on every transaction. So it's still an opportunity to be sustainable, but based on a low cost model and based on always trying to get the best value back to the consumer in a fair and reasonable way. Sure, we have to make money. Otherwise, we can't keep our no employees. That's mm. right. Um, but we tell, we tell you up front how much it's going to cost you. We're just ultimately trying to come up with a fair, reasonable product that sells itself ultimately because we're just not trying to rip anybody off. What about you, Scott? Were you just born this way? What well, is I it? don't know. Well, we're all affected by our experiences. My mum and dad are um, good people. They've always worked really hard. They've typically been in small business doing their own thing and like a lot of people have, their ups and downs and time, better times and worse times. And so I guess as a kid I... I, I kind of saw that you know. um, and then what you realize is that often it's the people that are working the hardest that kind of have the toughest time and the only you don't want to be in a position where then you're worried about whether people are taking advantage of you in that process you know so I kind of have a philosophy of wanting to live a live a good life and live well and, and our values are very much not geared to being wealthy, making a lot of money, but just being able to say that you do something that you're proud of, something that you can get up every day and be excited about doing, and um, but know that you're doing good work and and that that what you're doing is honest and that, that you're doing the right thing and finding ways to impact other people positively. So you feel good about what you do, you know, and 
at the end of the day, we're a long time dead and, and I think everybody's going to look back on their life and think, what did I achieve? And if all you achieve for yourself is great wealth at everybody else's cost, I don't think that's a really good one. I don't, that's not what I want. So I just think as people, we just want to do good work and know that we're contributing. Well, I think that's uh, quite refreshing from the point of view of you're in the consumer industry, um, retail, um, and uh, and you're lending money to people effectively to buy goods. So, uh, you know, for all the listeners, that's something a bit different to what you normally would hear. Like, I don't want to say this is a shitty sort of phrase, but people's champions are quite important. Um, democratizing the ability to be able to uh, buy lifestyle consumables. So you're democratizing, you're making it available to everybody and giving everybody the opportunity to have a proper vote on it. It's great stuff. Do you guys got a question for me? Oh, well, um, we're in this business. Business is tough and startups are particularly tough. You find yourself uh, a lot of the time working at about 200% of what, uh, of what your bandwidth, you think your bandwidth might be and, and, uh, and then occasionally, occasionally I guess you, you, you run into those kind of holy shit moments where you think, God, how am I going to deal with that and I'm already stretched and how do we deal with this? And I know you've been around the block a few times as well and you've done your own startups. So how do you deal with Well, you guys sort of answered it a few moments ago. Um, I'm always, I always look to the reason I'm doing it in the first place. Mm. You just answer it yourselves when I ask the question. Um, so don't forget that. That's gold. Mm. Um, but I think what I do for myself, I'm a bit more selfish than a lot of other people in startups. So what I mean by that is, um, I don't want really to misunderstand that, but what I mean by that is, I actually look for little wins all the time. So I will pat myself on the back no matter what the little win is. And it can be anything. It can be a personal win. Um, I actually invent wins. Um, even mm. I can be having the worst day of all time, but I'll, I'll stop and I'll say, okay, what did I do good this morning? Did I eat a good meal? Did I go to the gym? I trained okay. Even if I trained shitty, I, I still trained, still got there. Uh, did I, I had a good sleep last night. I feel good about that. I might have had a shit sleep last night, so I'll say, but I had a good breakfast or I took the dog for a walk and I didn't take it. I should have. You know, I don't normally take a dog for a walk or um, you know, I, I contacted one of my four sons or I did I, I looked at a really good Instagram uh, from my grandson or I'll, I'll look for little wins, whatever they are, and I'll try and, I'll try and rack up four or five every day. Little th- things are nothing. Someone might have smiled at me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, like I, I, right now, like I'm talking to you, Scott, like I, I will rec- – I've noted that you're smiling at me when I said that, okay? That to me, I'll think I've just delivered something to Scott for the day and that to me will be a little win for this afternoon when I'm sitting back thinking, you know, what, what did I get today? So I resonated something with you. Yep. I, I, sh- I shared something with you that is good for me, works for me. Awesome. And then um, they're little wins and they've got nothing to do with my business. Mm. The business is going to have all its all the troubles, all the good times, all the bad times, it's all the startup shit that you have to go through, all the challenges, all the intellectual twisting, uh, all the brain damage you get from people, and you know various other things you get from business. Yeah. But you can't change, you can't control any of that. Mm-hmm. What I can control is what I re- reward myself with when I pat myself on the bat back. I can sort of say, you know, there's a little win. So that's what I do. I count the little wins every day, every day. That's great, guys. Thanks very much. I really appreciated it. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. It's a great, it's a great business, but Gimme's Gimme's a great idea and it's a great startup. More importantly, what you two guys are doing, why you're doing Gimme, 
is even greater from my point of view. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Mentor. Audio and production is by Jess Morley. And production assistants, Jonathan Leondis. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.